All right, here we are again for another episode of Breaking Changes. Uh, I got another close friend of mine from my uh, Rolodex that I wanted to bring to the conversation, but it's, you know, he's not here just because he's my friend. He's here because he's doing some pretty interesting things with APIs at a at a pretty interesting company I think most of you are familiar with. But I brought in my friend John Musser, who is he is the director of data and analytics for Ford Autonomous Vehicles. Thanks for joining us, John. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Always love talking APIs with you. We're gonna we're gonna dive into your background a little bit, which we'll get out a little bit of our history. But I wanted to start with the company you work for because I think we're all pretty familiar with what Ford does. But for for the sake of discussion, and because after you sent over information on what you do as part of your role, <laughs> I was actually a little surprised at, yeah. at everything you all are doing. So what what does Ford do these days? So yeah, we all know Ford as Ford Motor Company that makes vehicles, right? We for 118 years, iconic vehicles, whether it was the Model T, but today it's the Mustang and the F-150 and now the Bronco, right? So we have these iconic vehicles that we produce. Um, but it's changing, right? So we're, we're much more into connected vehicles now, right? This spring we announced Ford Plus. So Ford Plus is this idea of an always on, always connected experience. Uh, and so leveraging all of these technologies to grow our existing businesses and then to build new ones. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, I, I just bought a new car during the pandemic. I, I told myself I wasn't going to buy a brand new one. I was going to just buy older ones, but I bought a brand new one. It wasn't a Ford, unfortunately, yeah. but I'm amazed at where the cars have gone. Cause it's been a few years since I bought a new one. So I'm actually pretty wow. excited about where, where the potential is, but why do APIs matter in, in, in this world? Which is a great question, right? Um, well, first of all, you may have noticed that your car is becoming a computer, right? Right? Um, some people have described them as, as giant iPhones on wheels now. And so software is eating your car, right? So while software is eating the car, what's more important in software these days than, than APIs, right? Um, so the two go sort of hand in hand, and that's sort of why it was super appealing to me when this opportunity arose four years ago to come to Ford uh, having come from the API world, knowing nothing really about the automotive space. Um, but here you have this iconic brand name, you have this industry in, in disruption. And then on top of that, you have APIs, you know, platforms, this idea of, of vehicles as platform and cloud platform, so important, you know, I, I couldn't resist. Yeah, that's pretty huge. So when I, when I was diving in, doing my research for the show, I went to the website, spent a lot of time just looking around, I was like, what is Ford, you know, grabbing the description. And as I was looking through the description, I used, I saw the word experience used the most to mm. describe what Ford does. How does, how do APIs kind of fit into that delivery of an experience when it comes to a modern vehicle? And I think it's a, it's a really interesting question. And I think that you, you caught on to that because it is part of what, you know, we've always experienced cars as, as very emotional things, right? Culturally, they've been very emotional and um, throughout all their history, people get quite passionate about cars, right? Whether <laughs> whatever that type of car is, and, you know. Um, and I think, so there's that kind of experience. And then there's the experiences that we can now do 
even more of because they're connected and because they're just an integral part of these IoT devices on wheels. So they can be connected to our smartphones, our homes, you know, you name it. And so that experience can be even more so. Um, and, you know, I think part of what this idea that Ford launched this spring around um, Ford Plus and this always on connected relationship with customers, you know how it used to be, you would go to the dealer and you buy it, like you probably did the same thing. You go buy a car and then you, you deal with the, whoever that manufacturer was and then you'd come back in three or five years, however long you had your car. But that was really, other than repairs, that was the extent of your relationship with the with the OEM, right? And that's that's not what it's going to be in the future, right? Because now we have connected vehicles, um, and Tesla pioneered this. You're you 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 you're enable a whole swath of things you can do um, with that car that you couldn't do before. And it's not and, and for Ford, it's not going to be that you leave and we don't talk to you again for that period of time. There's so much more value. Um, that we can provide. Yeah, it's a daily, it's it's a regular part of our experience in the vehicle. It makes a lot of sense. And and I can see how APIs help you subscribe to, iterate upon, evolve, and do so much with that, with with that experience and relationship. But but before we dive into the how, the nuts and bolts of that, I want to zoom okay. way out because I know who you are and you and I have um known each other for a while in the space. Um, I, I would say I owe a significant portion of who I am and what I'm doing uh, to, to the, the groundwork you've laid as well as you just kind of bring it, you know, helping me define my voice in the space. But I wanna hear for you when it comes to APIs, what was the aha moment for you when it, when it came to APIs that you knew there was something, something going on here? Well, I do appreciate that the, the kind words, and indeed, you and I sort of have the gray hair to prove that we've been in this business for a long time. Um, I think you know when I started the programmable web in um, 2005, right? So, gosh, over 15 years ago, right? Um, and I don't know if there was an aha moment. There was, a, I would say, it was necessity is the mother of invention. So at the time, I had this, I had this crazy idea for a startup around product arbitrage. We were gonna buy products in one online market like an eBay and then sell it another one and do it all kind of in an automated way. Um, and at the time, 2004-ish, you know, I could see that a lot of these API things, these web-based APIs were being offered by some of these e-commerce sites. And so that seemed important. So as I was doing the research, uh, long story short, I realized Oh, there, there isn't really, I was kind of surprised. The internet has kind of a site for everything, but didn't have a site for APIs. And, and you know, again, they were brand new and mashup, the phrase mashup started in, what was that, 2005. Um, and so so that, that's what led me to, and I figured I can't be the only person with this sort of need. So I took the 25, 30 APIs that I had found and, and put them up. I registered domain name of programmable web and, and built the site. Put these APIs up there, and, and it took off. It, you know, clearly, I wasn't the only person that had this this interest. So that that early vision when you started Programmable Web of what APIs were about, does that still pencil out till to today? Does does today look like what you had in your head as far as the future of APIs would look like? Uh, you know, what what did Yogi Berra say? Uh, predictions are hard, especially about the future, right? Um, so at the time, it wasn't necessarily making predictions per se. Um, I mean, they were obviously important, 
And, you know, as you remember, we used to use that phrase, uh, mashup. Remember that one? We I miss, I miss that phrase a lot. <laughs> we used to call them mashups and, you know, it's no more. I mean, we might call things apps, but, you know, it's so second nature that, like, this is what had happened, right? It was, you know, at the time it was relatively clear. It didn't take long to kind of figure out, okay, well, you know, APIs just kind of become ubiquitous to some extent. Uh, and then we won't, you know, like some of these technologies, you kind of like don't pay attention. Just it's, you know, it's the air you breathe. Um, one thing I definitely did not um, anticipate was, um, you know, early on we saw these ideas of, of, of calling these things API first companies like Twilio, right? And Stripe that came, you know, 2007, eight, nine, right? And, you know, you remember those days and they, you know, they were, it was a new thing, right? It's a new way to sell a product where developers were your audience, right? This is like, you weren't selling the thing that an API was kind of the add-on like they were for e-commerce. Um, but, but that they would be $50 billion companies just a handful of years later, it's crazy, right? Um, and that whole industry of API first companies, uh, it's just phenomenal. So how, so how does this translate back to the, the modern vehicle, the car experience is, is this about, you know, Spotify and messaging getting into my cars or, or, or the APIs connecting more than just, just that experience? Uh, you know, so it's going to have a little bit of time because I think this is where it starts to broaden, right? <laughs> um, because first of all, it's a bit also, um, we even talked about commercial, like the, the B2B market, mm -hmm. which similar to APIs, if you will, the B2B market's huge, but it isn't necessarily where we first started out, right? It was, all, again, add mashups for kind of like what consumers would see, right? You as a user would see like housing maps with, you know, real estate plotted on a map, right? But that wasn't really what the bigger chunk of the pie or um, like the the, the oft-used iceberg metaphor that, that like Daniel Jacobson started where it's like the tip of the iceberg is kind of what you see publicly, but the bigger part of the iceberg for APIs in automotive as well is kind of behind the scenes, uh, either because it's uh, what we use internally at Ford or it's what we do with B2B partners where you sort of have this happening in a bunch of commercial spaces that aren't necessarily front and center to the to the to the user, right? Um, so you know, maybe to break that down a little bit further. So once you might see in, in in the car are what you just talked about, where you'd be able to to connect Spotify and messaging apps, and you know, you see the expanding list of you know in your dashboard, um, and and those are all API driven, um, and sometimes through CarPlay and Android Auto. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then you have uh, all the data coming off. You cannot buy this year, 2021, a, a non-connected Ford vehicle. They all come off the assembly line with a, with a 4G modem, right? So that's just, again, out of the box, you get it, right? So that's a huge shift from just five years ago, right? Um, and so now you have that ubiquitous platform for all the new cars, right? We're not alone. You'll see it in the majority of, of OEMs. Um, so now that you have that, what do you start to build on top of that, right? So it opens up a whole bunch of new opportunities. One is um, getting the data off, right? So you, you pull that data off into the cloud and things you can do up in the cloud with it. So there's data. Then there's functionality. So there's things like um, if you're a Ford customer, retail customer, you'll have the Ford Pass app. 
that's the iOS Android app that you use to interact with your car. Well, how does all that how does all that communication between the app ultimately get to your car? Like you could do things like, hey, start my car, right? How much gas is in my car? Uh, you know, my tire levels, right? All that is API driven. So it's not in the press release for the Ford Pass app, but again, as you know, APIs are often hidden beneath the covers, making life better. Um, so there's a case where that's happening, right? Um, and a funny side note about uh, start my car. Um, it's a seasonal thing often because, for example, in the dead of winter, um, you don't want to go out to a cold car. So you can sit there and, and say, start my car, and then let the car warm up out of your driveway uh, you know, in the Minnesota winter, and then come back and, you, and you, when you get in your car, it's all warmed up for you. That's an API-driven experience to be able to uh, start your car. Uh, another way to do that is you could say to your smart home device, speaking of APIs and ecosystems, right? You can talk to your connected home device, your smart home device, uh, Android or Alexa, right? And say, hey, Alexa, start my car, right? And then through the magic of APIs, it'll go from, you know, from what you said into the into your voice assistant, into the Amazon cloud, to the Ford cloud, over to your car, and lo and behold, your car is started, right? Um, through this invisible, you know, stack of APIs that's all going on behind the scenes in you know, a secure, reliable way. Um, and then the same would be true on the fleet side or commercial B2B. Uh, you're a fleet owner, whether you have five vehicles and a local you know, repair or delivery operation to some large national fleet owner, um, you want to know what those vehicles are up to all the time. and You want to manage them as a whole. You want to get the telematics, you know, GPS data off of them, all that kind of information. Now you can do that. That just comes out of the box. And then Ford has built an entire business unit called Ford Commercial Solutions and, and a bigger one now called Ford Pro that's all oriented around being able to offer better services, a better experience, a lower cost of ownership to fleet owners because of as much as anything, APIs. Yeah, that's so powerful. I mean, there's so much to unpack in there. Um, the other the other use case of the start your car that I learned in, and you're in the Pacific Northwest, I was in Portland um, during that heat wave. And it was the first time I started my car. So the AC would be, yeah, on, that's the flip and I had exactly. to get out there and it was 115 degrees in Portland, which yeah. was a brand new one for me, but you described so that the car itself has APIs. So that, you know, the fuel gauge be able to start all those components, the car itself is a platform, but right. because it's connected, it's automatically expands that ecosystem from just being what I think most folks would think of as just an IOT device. You have one device. It's a, it's a whole platform of, of IOT devices all working in concert, but then you're part of the, the, the Android ecosystem. You're part of the Alexa ecosystem and it just kind of just grows from there. So you got a lot of different providers playing what sort of data is available nowadays when it comes to driving your car like that? I mean, I, I'm sure everything, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you see on a regular basis? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a funny, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's a challenge because when you think about it, there's too much data, right? Think about all, first of all, to take a step back you know, in the car business, one of the things I've learned is, uh, uh, 
that within the modern automobile, there's anywhere from 50 to over 100 of these ECUs, these electronic control units, right? These little silver boxes, these things that are embedded all through your car, whether it's for your seatbelts or your engine or your, your HMI for your, your entertainment system, right? So they're all little microcontrollers and they all have their embedded operating system, but they're all programmable, right? Um, and each one has, you can imagine like the, whether it's RPMs off your engine or your fuel level or your speed or the temperature or the radio volume or the, the window up or down or your seatbelt on, right? And so part of the trick is to then figure out how to, it's sort of a, almost a quintessential huge scale case IoT problem of like computing at the edge, right? Smarts at the edge, edge computing. And then, you know, what do you filter there? How do you do that intelligently? How do you get that back up to the cloud, you know, volume? Um, so I think that gives you some sense of what the, the type of data that, that are available. Um, yeah, and so you can sense? make so you can make decisions around it that influence the experience. And and what experience are you influencing? Is it the daily drive? Is it the overall health of the car? And you said in a B two B environment, it's it's business to business, and so. I'm guessing knowing the, the the classic automobile kind of supply chain, there's a lot of partners, a lot of vendors who are working with you all to help figure out mm -hmm. those, those those pieces of the experience that are either dependent on their part or because they're a wider platform player. So I'm guessing there's monetization opportunities and partnership opportunities available within all of that. For sure. I mean, there's a huge... Um ecosystem play, right? Um, and, you know, speaking of those messages that you can send to your car now, um, one of them is to, uh, we didn't talk about, was to unlock your truck, right? And also locate the vehicle. Um, and there's a whole bunch of privacy issues, so we'll get to those in a minute. Um, but within keeping those, those factors in mind of safety and privacy, one of the things you can do now is that we partnered with Amazon and you can opt in, totally opt in to their program called Amazon Key, that same service that let them deliver packages say, to your garage, the whole integration in their delivery mechanism. But you can now register your vehicle as a delivery location for an Amazon delivery package delivery. So when you go and you're in the checkout, you say where to deliver to, you can say Kin's car, right? And then it all over the Ford car. And you could then, that delivery driver would could find out where your car is. And again, this is like you get notifications, you get approval for this whole process. Um, and they could deliver the package to your trunk. So if you're at the, at the office during the day, right? Um, you can have it delivered there. Um, and, you know, this is kind of a, you know, it's a niche convenience, but it's a nice thing to have. And you can imagine other things over time that are enabled by that combination of a connected car and APIs, and then an ecosystem built on top of that with partners to which services that you as a, as a, as a retail customer can opt into. Well, right? the, yeah, the intelligence that the processing of that data, you have a lot of partners who are going to help you figure all of that out and how to, well, how do we do grocery delivery? You know, I'm, I'm at work, I can have packages, but then I can have food at, on my so that as soon as i get home i'm able to cook dinner or i can have you know food delivery to my trunk before and i mean that's just touching on one piece people, of it 
or you could have in some locations you can have fuel so you get your, your car can get fueled up same kind of an api driven so sort of startups that are doing you know remote fuel delivery on demand so you don't have to go to the gas station the truck comes to you again through apis it figures out where your car is it, it unlocks it you can put the gas in hit a button you know the 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 the, the delivery person pushes another button it all locks your car back up turns the alarm back on you come back to your car, your groceries are there, your laundry is there, and it's full of gas. So, so we talked about a, a few of the challenges uh, in, in too much information. What are some of the other challenges you're facing? I mean, privacy, security? Yeah, so I think the two big ones are safety and privacy, right? Yeah, so, so Ford, yeah, yeah part of what we're known as is the world's most trusted company, right? We have this legacy and we, we value that customer trust and privacy and safety are part of that, right? So, and as you know, there's been plenty of API related privacy issues out in the industry. Um, so we're trying to be really careful and take a slow measured approach to how to roll these sorts of things out. So you can't just go tomorrow, can you can go sign up on our site and get access to the APIs tomorrow. Just can't work that way for those two reasons primarily. Um, you know, it's a highly regulated industry, right? Um, you could get killed in this thing, right? So you got to be super careful. Um, and, um, you know, we have like dedicated uh, large cybersecurity teams at Ford, right? Looking at cybersecurity in the vehicle, through the cloud, in the, you know, in the cloud. Um, you know, that whole stack. So to be super, you know, um, aware and, 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 a lot of attention to the to the to the security piece, and then on the privacy side, again, um, any of the services I listed, they all have to be opt in, right? So you have to even opt in to say you you don't have to transmit data through your modem, right? Uh, you won't get those services, right? So it's a, that classic sort of trade off as as a consumer, um, and then in terms of the data itself, it, it, our biggest use case is around how to improve the services. Um, and how do we, for example, um, prognostics of, of predicting, of taking some of that data off of those devices in your car, whether it's the brakes or the engine or you, know, you name it, getting that data up to the cloud so we can run AI, ML, and algorithms on this data to then predict, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're due for this on such and such a date, but it, you may need it sooner, you may need it later, being able to use that intelligently and then feed that back to you for, for you know for mutual benefit right yeah yeah that's such a important balance to strike between privacy and security and trust so that you know i want all of these conveniences i want to have them happen but i definitely have concerns about uh privacy and security but i think the safety one api space is fairly new we're used to moving fast and breaking things which right. may not pencil yeah, may out not. It's a little tougher in this market, right? A little because the breaking thing could be yeah, more than just your leg, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be super careful about that. Right. So so you mentioned you can't sign up right away and get access. Um, I know there's a, a pretty uh, well established supply chain that works that that Ford works with over years and has evolved with Ford as a company. Is it something that new players can get involved in and, and be part of, or is it just uh, the old suppliers doing doing most of the, the heavy lifting? 
it's both, right? So I think um, in terms of the new opportunities, well, now you think about it, now we have um, connected experiences, right? And this idea that we were just talking about ecosystem, right? So it doesn't just have to be, you know, Ford or some OEM working with the Amazons, you know, of the world, right? Um, there are, well, talk about data, right? Here's a good example. Um, there's a, um, I think it's an Israeli-based startup called Autonomo. Mm -hmm. um, and they are, they might even, I think it might have been a billion dollar back uh, this year. Uh, uh, been around for a few years. What they do is that they have 40 million across OEMs. They've taken data and then provide access to that um, at an aggregate level. So there's a startup who's doing a, a sort of a data roll-up. They, they work on... You know, anonymizing some of that data and then providing aggregate data for specific use cases back to customers who are paying for some anonymized uh, you know, connected vehicle data. Um, and again, they have their own intake process where they have constraints around what you can or can't do. Uh, but there's a startup that wouldn't have existed 10 years ago, right? Because now you have this connected vehicle data. Um, so that's one. Another class is what we just talked about where um, there's startups like, um, uh, I think one of them, Spiffy, who do a car wash, right? So they can come to your car and wash it, right? So they're going to use the, you know, or, or the or the delivery ones, right? So again, delivery, car washing, or fueling, you know, mobile fueling. So those are all new opportunities that are enabled because you have a connected vehicle, a smart connected vehicle with APIs, right? Mm -hmm. So... Does that, does that kind of answer yeah. your question? Are those the ideas you were thinking yeah. of? Yeah, like no, those are definitely, I would say, good examples of, because I, I, when we talk about APIs, that are, at least me as the evangelist, you used to, but get people excited about, you know, what it is. I mean, I'm guessing there's still a part of that, of what you do at Ford, but getting people excited about building things, and it's in a heavily regulated, well-established industry, sometimes it's harder to, to get in and yeah. do things. But as I was going through, there's plenty of examples of some of these new players. And I would say another layer that I noticed, and maybe you can speak to this, is global. It's not just North American market too, right? No, absolutely. That's a really great observation. Um, and I think, you know, I, I know we were going to talk about the EV market, right? The electric vehicle market. Um, and really, they go hand in hand, right? Connected vehicles, APIs, and EVs, right? I mean, again, Tesla pioneered it, but you know, Ford is really focused, and, and the other OEMs are as well, investing billions of dollars in the EV market, particularly in Europe, where there are national mandates for requirements. That's uh, true in China as well, um, and, and some state level stuff here in the states of um, needing to meet these mandates for emissions and and, and so on, and so having, you know, in Europe, then those two go really well together, right? Having sort of the increase in, in electric vehicles um, and the increase in connected vehicles. And then thirdly, you know, Ford in particular has a very strong commercial vehicle presence in Europe. Um, I mean, maybe the leading provider of commercial vehicles. Um, and uh, leveraging those together, right, in a B2B space, again, you can imagine as, as all the different types of fleet services that we can provide in that market um, is huge. Um, with, yeah. of course, the sorry, the, the added layer of GDPR, and again, 
having to sort of deal with um, the, the reality, right? That's just that's the way it is. So you figure out how to how to work with that. And again, it ties into making sure that you know we adhere to those you know forward thinking privacy regulations. Well, and I I think those those regulations. I mean, one they can be good or bad or hard or make innovation mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And I would say they're kind of leading the conversation at a global is, is California's kind of following in the shoes being the sixth largest country in the world mm-hmm. or economy, you know? So I yeah. think those, that type of regulatory, but platform driven innovation at that scale is really how we, we move into the future um, in a global way at scale. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, you, you have these different aggregators who are kind of coming and and working across the OEMs, but you guys are investing in a platform too. I came across uh, uh, Autonomic. How do you pronounce mm-hmm. that? Yeah, and Autonomic. It, yeah, and it's a it's a cloud platform that has a set of standards for how all of this should work. Mm-hmm. So so what is this platform? How does how does it work and why does it matter? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and you clearly do your homework. You are an <laughs> awesome researcher. Um, I mean, that's also your passion about this space. The, um, so Autonomic is, uh, long story short, uh, it, it's a startup based out of Palo Alto um, that Ford had, was one of the earliest investors in in 2000, I believe, 17. Um, and within about two years, we a- acquired them, so they are owned by Ford. Um, um, but the real vision there was the whole idea of a connected vehicle, that you're going to get this messy sort of old school, low level data off of a vehicle. And there's gonna be this need to pull it off at scale, be able to rationalize it and provide nice, pretty, clean, JSON, RESTful APIs that you know, you've cleaned it and made it accessible to a much more you know, wider audience. Um, and, and so anyway, that's that, that's the mission there. That's, that's Autonomic's mission, they did an amazing job of doing that. And I think uh, one of the best uh, examples of what they've done is um, when I talk about our commercial services uh, that we provide to a, a whole range of, of fleet operators, um, that's all powered. We have something called uh, Ford uh, telematics services and data services. Those all come through that low level autonomic APIs below the covers. And then you know those fleet customers can use those APIs. So we provide data, you want this data, but the main mechanism for getting that data is you can, you know, query those APIs. Um, either subscribe to a feed where those notifications just come off, or then you know, historical data that you want filtered in some way. And I'm guessing this helps make it easier for developers because I'm guessing yeah. going into yeah. this world, there's a lot. Any API you're onboarding with, there's a cognitive load, but a vehicle ecosystem that you're just a programmer, you don't understand. It's it's yeah. got to help reduce friction there, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, you know, like they've got great classic things that, that you know, you and your uh, and your audience know as, as like great developer documentation where you have getting started guides and videos and, and reference guides, and all the kind of tooling that you need. Uh, and you also need additional tooling, right? You know that, uh, again, uh, I think one of the oft overlooked things in the API space is that you can't just like throw up a Swagger document or open APIs back and say you're done, right? That's not that's not a great, that's an important piece, as you well know, right? super important, but it's not the only thing. And so in the, in, in the vehicle space, it, um, think of all the other things you need, right? Because you're talking about these, you, know, you want to be able to do it virtually at first, you want to be able to like test 
Um, you need to trial vehicles. You need to get all the way down this stack from a cloud to a thing and then back again. Right? Yeah. And it ain't easy, right? Yeah. Well, especially if, if it's 4G, I mean, you want to be sensitive about what you're passing and smart about it. You don't want to just send anything over the wire all the time. So it has to be pretty intelligent uh, transmission of data and, and moving things yeah. around. So, so beyond the car, are you guys struggling like any other company with internal kind of digital transformation and doing APIs well internally? Why would you think that a hundred year old enterprise Fortune 50 company would be um, having you know, digital transformation going on, right? <laughs> um, and of course we do. And, and, and part of what's in there is really interesting to me. And I didn't really expect it coming in because I was mostly thinking about the, the external piece, right? Mm -hmm. So one of my learnings personally in coming to Ford, um, and again, super interesting, um, is uh, all of the all the API usage is happening behind the firewall, right? So a lot of digital transformation efforts in different parts of the company. We also have you know Ford Credit, which is a you know a multi billion dollar, very uh, you know strategic piece of what we do um, you know, for for car loans and, and other services, insurance, etc. Very digital, right? Because they're 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 a finance company, right? So they've always been very very digitally forward, um, but they're you know becoming more and more API driven, right? These new services. So everywhere we have APIs, and then we have, you know, just like every every large company, it's a it's a hodgepodge, right? We have things from acquisitions and from legacy systems, and so you know, there, there's a real internal passion around building APIs for the new stuff plus around the old stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I wound up doing um, a couple of years ago was we, we, we worked together um, with the leadership team because we have buy-in from the CEO on down for this whole API mission, um, which, as you know, how important having that sort of executive top-level buy-in is. So that's been great. Um, so, you know, real belief in this. And then we set up a, a, a team called the Platform Enablement Team. Uh, a new team kind of started off with just a handful of folks, um, much larger now, but three years ago when we, which is a nascent little thing where, you know, our mission was to kind of do things that you're familiar with, which is, you know, build a unified internal API catalog, right? Set up a program where we're, we're measuring what we're doing. So API metrics program, set up an API tooling program, right, for API publishing and consumption and reporting, right, because we have a variety of internal systems and not just one API gateway and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. So how do we start to build, but not take it on as a, I don't know, as a center of excellence for this centralized piece, but a federated piece so that we could scale it. Um, and, you know, that's turned out to be really fruitful because then we can, you know, teach other teams how to fish and how to do this, and then they can take it on and evangelize internally. And then we have a lot of automation around it because you know how important that API automation piece is. Uh, and that's, I think, really forward thinking the way that we've been able to sort of pull all those pieces together. You can go to apicatalog.org. If you're in behind the firewall, you go to apicatalog.org.com, and there's your API catalog, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then having the documentation and all the other kind of things. So trying to grow that, and we don't want to boil the ocean. You can't do that. So then you kind of have to have a foothold and then 
go from there. And you know, it's an ongoing effort. So what you just described, I hear a lot of our uh, customers that I talk to call governance, but you mm -hmm. called it enablement. Mm -hmm. Why is that important, would you say? Ah, you are attuned to words. Um, yes, uh, because I think we want to, you know, it's a, it's a nuance. It's sort of like um, uh, within there, there's some degree of governance, right? We want to make sure that these things are, are reliable and secure and those sorts of things. Um, but really, the idea was to enable the teams to do it themselves, right? We want more the carrot than the stick, right? Like, what's in it for me? You know how this is. What's in it for me? Like, why do, why do I care about having an open API spec? Well, as it turns out, if you have an open API spec, there's a whole bunch of goodness you get, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of great stuff you can get with by having that spec. So now all the new te all the teams as they start to do this, they're going to have an open API spec. So right into your right into your other one of your home courts there, right? Um, oh, or that you can plug it into Postman. Speaking of uh, again, sort of your world, right? So we use a ton of Postman, um, and those teams that are doing it, then they can sort of use those together, right? Or whether it's um, uh, like a linting process. So we have a litter, right? So an API lit that as you know, some of the teams have started to use so as they go through the publishing process, we can bake in our own best practices and conventions, right? And again, you could call some of that governance, but really it's like, hey, I can get my stuff, you know, as a product owner in, the, in Ford, I can get my stuff done faster by using these tools, right? So it's making my life easier. It's not making my life, like governance often is like this hammer, you know, gatekeeper department of no, and we don't want to do that. Yeah, federated enablement just like, I mean, it, 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 it works, I think, better than a centralized hammer. It just seems like you're going to be equipping and, and it's going to speak to folks a, a, a lot better and what they're trying to accomplish. So, so zooming out, back out to the car and the in the ecosystem and the huge opportunity there what are the different ways you can get involved do you have to be a startup you know playing with all the oems and and be operating at a certain scale or are there other ways that you mentioned the alexa could i just build in an alexa app or an android app and play in this ecosystem there's typically you are going to still have to go through a level of indirection um so for example the um you go to autonomic.ai and there's a contact us and there is that process you're going to go through there to get access to that documentation and you know talk to them about what you're building um we have developer.ford.com which is really focused not on it's actually a thing we haven't talked about at all but it's really our traditional in vehicle apis and those are going to uh, be evolving over the next stretch of time and I, let me come back to that in a second um and then if you're on the B2B side, you can talk to our Ford commercial solution. So it depends sort of where you are as to which, you know, where to, to get started. Um, but I do want to go back to one thing real quick. Uh, I just remembered. So uh, Google, you, you know Google, right? Um, heard of them. Heard of them. We, in I think February this year, announced a partnership with Google um, that's both uh, focused on is really big deal because it's focused on using Google Automotive Services in the car, right? So uh, starting in the, I believe it's 2023 model year, you'll start to see that rolling out. Um, and then in the cloud. So use a lot of the Google cloud services. So we've got both of those um, 
So I think as part of that, you'll start to see again, another class of opportunities, whether it's through doing Android automotive, right? Type of in-vehicle things, mm -hmm. or the type of things that we're building more of on the back end, the cloud connected services, there's gonna be a lot more, you know, stay tuned for a lot more of this coming really soon. Um, and and if I'm already baked, my company, what we're building is baked into Google ecosystem, meaning we use Google Maps, we use Google Docs, Google Meet, those things are going to be much, just much easier to access as part of the Ford ecosystem. And, and again, if you're an Android, if, you, if you're already using the Android Auto SDK, which you, know, you could build against today, and you if you haven't already built an Android, you know, in-vehicle app or or you know an Apple CarPlay app, those are also going to be conduit for you to then get on that. You know, you can do it today, right? Because all, like for example, all the all the Ford vehicles support all the new ones support Apple and and, and and Google, right? So if you're building, if you want to be in vehicle, then you build one of those. And again, you're going to have to get it certified because it, it's in the vehicle and there's a safety concern, right, of uh, driver distraction. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be watching YouTube videos while you're driving. That's kind of kind of a no-no. Yes. Right? Um, so we we don't want to enable that. Um, but uh, oh, and here's another category we did get to because um, I know it shows up in, in the corporate world. But you, again, you're going to see as your car you are connected. There's two other things that are just food for thought um, on the fleet side. As a fleet owner, you have to fuel all your vehicles, right? So yeah, combustion, yeah. combustion engine cars, and the future will be uh, electric. But say for combustion engine vehicles, uh, the fleets of today, th that's kind of a pain, a pain in the ass for, for fleet owners, right? Um, but now with, with them being connected, you can manage that more centrally, first of all. And then secondly, you can even, um, in some cases, you'll be able to uh, like drive up to the pump, right? And then the car will talk to the pump and through the magic of connectivity, that can happen automatically. It'll know, you know how much is available, what needs to be done. The transaction will be kind of effortless for the driver and, and, and the fleet manager, right? And then on top of that, we just announced uh, this month, Ford acquired a, a, Palo, uh, a Silicon Valley company called uh, uh, Electrify.ai. So we just made an acquisition, another Silicon Valley one of a high-tech startup that's focused on um, connected fleet management and connecting into the grid. So, you know, Ford sees this as so important, so do all the other OEMs. It's so important, right? Uh, that how do you kind of do EV vehicle management at scale, right? And again, it'll be API driven. Um, but anyway, with this acquisition, we're going to integrate that into a smart connected EV vehicle management platform. Yeah, I mean the the relationship between this the the software eating and the electrification, I mean it just seems like it's endless yeah. and it's almost almost kind of the same. Like, is the cloud like, you know, you'll be able to pull up to the the fueling stations, the the whole net with a physical network as well as the virtual network. Seems like there's just a, a symbiotic relationship that's going to happen there. And one other network of note, uh, one other uh, symbiotic relationship, which is going to be a farther down the road. There's two that are farther down the road, um, but they're happening. Um, one is something called V2X, letter V, number two, letter X. Uh -huh. Are you familiar with that one? No. Yeah, so V to X is vehicle to everything. Uh, and a good example of that is vehicle to infrastructure. So 
Um, there's some pilots going on now where you can have a connected traffic light and your vehicle would know and, the, and your traffic light and the vehicle could talk to each other, right? So you could think both at a micro level between your vehicle and that light, so you'll know, right, what's happening and when it's changing, et cetera, and the vehicle might be able to adapt and prevent you from running a red light. So the safety aspect, um, there's a lot of good stuff that can happen there, but that's just gonna, you know, over time. Um, vehicle to vehicle, so again, as vehicles can talk to each other, how can you in a secure and private way have enough communication between vehicles to enable safety and, and that kind of thing. Uh, also important in, in the fleet space, you can imagine like um, like what they call platoons of vehicle, of, of, of semi tractor trailers of, you know, of trucks talking to each other. So you can have like a lead platoon vehicle uh, with a series of following ones that can sort of be in the drag of that vehicle um, with a much more efficient and, and centrally managed sort of convoy of vehicles that are all connected, which are more efficient, easier to manage, and then ultimately can be autonomous and self-driving. So maybe you might have a driven first vehicle and then a, a seat, a set of, of autonomous vehicles behind it um, as another flavor. Um, so anyway, there's all that. And then at least the other part of you know the life that, that yeah, I've been leading, which is around self-driving cars, right? And, and Ford autonomous vehicles, right? We're investing billions of dollars, um, primarily focused in a partnership with um, Argo AI, Argo.ai. If you go there, you can see what, what that's about. It's a startup out of uh, Pittsburgh uh, where a lot of the self-driving work is happening around CMU and so on. Um, and in, in partnership with Argo, which again is APIs all the way up and down, it's, it's APIs all the way down, um, between Ford and Argo build a self-driving system and then customers would go to market, whether they're doing moving goods or moving people, robo-taxis, this is all future API-driven self-driving ecosystem. Wow, yeah, I mean, this this is definitely the future of APIs that I think a lot of us are thinking about. One, one that first network piece you talked about, I did get access through my government connections and 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 people I work with at Department of Transportation to a couple intersections. I got approval to kind of build a, a read-only app. You know, I couldn't do anything but read the data, but it was a couple intersections in Michigan that they were doing some some pilots on. And it was like not just the lights, it was the roadway. It was like there were mm. sensors on the whole intersection that yeah. worked with the different sensors on the cars and I mean, y'all have some pretty interesting things going on in Michigan, I think, you know, when it comes to that. So it was impressive. I could only imagine what's going on in Europe, you know, and other parts of the world when, you know, that that are moving forward. Because I think a lot of folks think of Department of Transportation, they're, they're not thinking about innovation, but they run all the roads, all the lights. You yeah. know, there's, a, there's that's a huge network opportunity. But you yeah. you went to the, the self-driving car and... That's one area we've been hearing a lot of promises for a while. Is is it is it reality? I mean, what's is or is it is it going to just be incremental like everything else that we've seen with AI and other things? You know, what's what's the future of the autonomous car? Is, uh, can I expect that in the near future? I mean, so you can expect it in the near future, but in limited, it's going to grow quite incrementally, right? Yeah. Uh, 
like Brian Seleska, CEO of Argo, has talked a lot about this, where like some folks have gone out there and said, hey, it's going to happen you know, tomorrow, or it's happening now. Um, the reality is it's happening now, but it's, it's incredibly complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it requires so many sort of constituents to, to work together. So what you'll see is kind of like Ford's doing, we're, we're piloting AVs in, in six cities right now, right? But within you know, specific domains, so you can learn and grow and sort of take that sort of safety first approach, uh, people have to get comfortable with it too. It's not just, you have to work out the technology, but you have to make, you know, you walking down the street seeing, wait, there's this car, but nobody's driving, right? How, how are you or as a passenger or, or anything, right? Another driver, right? There's a whole swath of, of you know, implications to self-driving cars that we've you know, barely started to scratch the surface of. Um, so it's not a matter of, of if, you know, it's just a matter of when, and it's also a matter of where, right? So we're going to start with specific locations, specific use cases. You know, there's also um, self-driving vehicles and mining, like, you know, these giant gargantuan, you know, it's not our space, but there are self-driving vehicles out there and, you know, these other domains or, or there's autonomous shipping and, and, and so on. So, you know, in these other focused areas, um, uh, there, there's self-driving, you know, learning and autonomous, you know, activity going on that all feed one another. And so we're part of that in self-driving and self-driving trucking, right? So trucking and moving goods, that's a huge space, right? So, you know, we're working that as well. I think that that really speaks to the data, the importance of data and all of this and, and the APIs on the individual controllers on the vehicle and then getting that data into the cloud, the partnerships with, with all, all the different companies and startups, as well as the government. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's an evolutionary cycle. And I think those of us in the API space focus on iterating our APIs. We're, we're hyper-focused on that. But that's that's what I would see say is kind of the API economy mm-hmm. at scale is how do we not just iterate our APIs, how do we iterate APIs collectively in a way and then share data in a way that is pri- respects privacy, security, safety, but helps move this this, yeah. this massive thing forward so that we we can have self-driving uh, autonomous experiences but it's not just all day every day on it's oh well when we're visiting london downtown you know there's there's some cabs you know the, the taxis that'll do it for us because we know what congestion is like in downtown london and so it's a much more controlled experience but it, you know i agree it's coming i just think we have to, as storytellers in this space, I think we got to be a little more responsible. Some of us haven't been too responsible, I think. There's some expectation management that has to happen for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. And and you mentioned people, people are the hardest thing to to educate and get on board and change behavior. We're the ones that are, are just not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you know, it's a, it's a fair sort of, you know, you have to build trust, right? Yeah, yeah, well, it's a, it's a fascinating space you're in. I'm super jealous of where you're at and what you're doing. And I'm, I mean, as far as an API trajectory, it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. But usually on the way out of these conversations, because we're approaching the hour, um, I, you know, I want to make it a little bit personal. But what, as far as, you know, you talked about the memory of us 
you know, road trips and cars and, and the whole car experience. What's what's one memorable road trip that 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 you've got in in, in your history of driving? <laughs> the, yeah, um, I do. I do. The, the most memorable one is, is the one in which I got married in a car. How's that? Would that really? be uh, is that count as memorable? I would uh, say that's pretty memorable. And, and the, the marriage is last. Uh, my, my dear wife, we uh, eight, 18 years ago, we were married in a in a drive through in Las Vegas in a Ford Mustang convertible. So it must have wow. been meant to be. It must have been meant to be that I was going to get work at Ford. I was married in a Ford. Wow. Yeah, I would say that's that's definitely uh, <laughs> a premonition for the future. But well, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. But no, it's good. And then we took a fantastic road trip through the desert. That was the original yeah. impetus. Was uh, you know, again, cars can be this you know fantastic way that you know it's about a journey, right? Yeah. Well, I have to add to that. I didn't know that. <laughs> and Audrey and I got married two years ago at a drive-through in Vegas as well in a car. No. Oh so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Small world. <laughs> was it the little white wedding chapel? Uh, yeah. I think it was actually. Oh my gosh. Funny. That was too much. That's hysterical. <laughs> Uh, she's going to love hearing that. So Hopefully yeah, well, that'll, that'll be one of the stories we'll have to talk more about mm -hmm. when we're all get together in person yeah, that's great. as, as that's the world funny. comes back together. So you're, yeah. you're going to head back to, you were telling me before we started the show, you're going to head back to work. Um, yeah. I was a little bummed. I talked at Ford. So pre pandemic, you would talk me into doing a talk, um, with, uh, with your, your internal teams, which got postponed. I ended up doing virtually. But I was really looking forward to coming because I hear you guys have a really nice uh, building and and physical in-person experience. Yes. So you're still invited. So we're going to do it again. Um, uh, it was awesome to have you virtually. Um, huge crowd. We had amazing turnout. You know, hundred. I don't know how many were in your hundreds. I mean, or thousands. I mean, there were yeah, really big sessions that we had. Um, again, speaks to the passion internally. But yes, you're going to have to come out. We'll take a rain check on the actual you coming out to, to Dearborn and coming out and, and spend some time at headquarters. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to it. Well, um, I mean, you've got a dream job, sir. I'm super impressed. I mean, I'm I'm in a pretty dreamy job right now myself yeah. as the chief evangelist at Postman. I couldn't think of other places I would want to work. But uh, Ford autonomous vehicles is pretty top of the list, man. I'm jealous. Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate it. We're both lucky to be in the jobs we have, right? It's a great business to be in. It's yeah. Fun. Well, I think as far as doing something with APIs that are going to uh, touch a, a, such a significant part of the world, I think you're, you're, in, you're in a pretty sweet spot, sir. And we're hiring, by the way. Oh, okay. So, where should they go? Anybody, to, where should they go to get plugged in? Uh, for jobs, Google on jobs at Ford. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we've got a uh, 15 million developers. Uh, I'll send them your way. So you'll, awesome. I'm sure a few of them will be uh, what you're looking for. Uh, well, uh, with that said, I think, I think we're at the hour. I yeah. think this was, this was lovely. Um, I super likewise, likewise. Thank you so much. It's great to reconnect. It's fun to chat and we'll uh, do it again. All yeah. right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in person soon and, and safe journeys out, out, out to headquarters. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Cheers.